You are listening to Dear Texas Radio, a program of Dear Texas Read and sponsored by Texas Authors Incorporated. If you would like to ask today's guest author a question, please do so on Twitter using the hashtag DearTexasRadio. However, not all questions will be answered during the show. Now sit back and enjoy listening to today's show and learn about a Texas author and their books. This is Grace Allison. We are welcoming Shenda Tom, who has been an educator for over 23 years. Her passion and desire to educate children and make a positive impact on their lives is apparent in her daily work. In her book, He Knows the Plan, she recounts her personal journey of survival and resilience as she faced obstacles in both Cambodia and America. Shenda believes that life is a gift. No matter how many valleys we must overcome, we must be intentional about living a life that has a positive impact. Let's welcome Shenda. Good evening. Well, Shenda, tell us what part of your life does your autobiography cover? My autobiography covers the first uh, 18 years of my young life. And tell and, us about that. Well, Explain um, a little bit more about that. My young life started in uh, Phnom Penh, Cambodia, which is the capital of Cambodia where I was born. And my life started a little bit harsh in that I was forced into the concentration camp or the killing fields of Cambodia that most people know about in history books. And so my family and I were forced into the concentration camp on April 17th, 1975. So that was the first day of the end for us. And so we um, survived the killing fields and lived there um, for over three years and eight months. So we were there from 1975 to um, early 1979 when we were released uh, from the captivity. So, the so tell book, us about your Aunt Laura. The, your Aunt Laura was very instrumental in all of this, this uh, change in your life. Oh, yes. My Aunt Laura is my life uh, saver. Um, because of her, I mean, I, I attribute um, my life and still being alive to her because when the war ended, and we escaped from Cambodia to Thailand, she was the one who, you know, did the paperwork and everything for us to start a new life in another country. And we were able to uh, come to America in September of 1981. And my Aunt Laura is the one who raised me. And, and why is that? What happened to, what happened to your, today? What happened to your mother and father? My mother died um, in 1978. Um, my youngest sister from my mom and dad died at childbirth. And so I'm the oldest of three girls from my mom and dad. Um, my middle uh, sister, she died around a year and a half. She just didn't make it um, through the trek. 
And then my youngest Saint's sister, she died at childbirth, and then my mother died about two months or so after her due to you know, malnutrition, disease, illness. Um, and so that's when she passed. And when she passed, I was placed in an orphanage for a little while. Is that where your Aunt Laura found you? Well, um, my because my book is through stories that she would tell me, and then later on, um, my when I f- uh, find my father again, um, he would tell me. Is she remembers when I was in the orphanage? She would ask permission from her uh, leaders in her camp because at that time. People and genders of of every age were placed in different camps. And so she was in a widower's camp, and she would ask permission when time permitted. And so she would uh, take the chance to come see me. And so just kind of imagine a young woman and a young girl, you know, in the middle of a stream, a countryside, and she said that's where she would bathe me at least once a week um, because in the orphanage, you know, no one took care of us. They barely fed us. And we were just placed into these rooms um, when it was time to sleep. And so she remembers going and checking on me uh, at least once a week. And so it was Ronald Reagan in 1981, was that it, when he opened the doors to the refugees, to America? That is correct, and that is how uh, my aunt and I were able to get approval to come to America because of President Ronald Reagan, uh, allowing us to come in as refugees from war-torn countries. And that was when the Khmer Rouge was the communist regime at the time, and they'd been training soldiers in the forest and creating an army to take over the country of Cambodia, and they were doing a good job of that. Um, it was no yes. wonder that you were able to to escape. It was um, it, it was a, a traumatic experience, you know, for me as a child. Of course, as a child, I don't remember as much as the adults in my life, but. You know, children are very resilient beings, and I think that's why I call my book A Story of Survival and Resilience, because children, and I guess that's why I am in the profession I am today, I believe that children are very resilient beings, even through the trauma. And I remember bits and pieces of my life in the concentration camp. For example, being hungry all the time. I always uh, joke that, maybe it's not a joke, I don't know, Um, but I always say that my growth was probably stunted because I was hungry all the time. Those three years, eight months, some odd days while we were held in captivity, being told when to eat, what to eat, when to sleep, when to work, all of that. Did they make you work in the concentration camp? Oh, yes. Everyone worked. Everyone, because if you were not able to work, and this is of every age, if you were not able to work, you're, you're deemed useless. And so babies, young children did not survive. The elderly did not survive. And that's why during three years, eight months, some odd days, 1.7 million 
which is about a fourth of the Cambodian population during that time, died. And in the history books, they have found many skulls, ditches, and skulls that are now in museums in Cambodia now that were dug by those very same people whose skulls are in there. So why did you choose to write your and publish your book now? Um, you know, I've been wanting to um, write my book and share my story for over 20 years. And a lot of it is, it's, it's personal, and I'm a very private person. And so it's taken me a long time to let go. And because I am a counselor by profession and educator, I know that by sharing my story, I'm also owning my story. And by owning my story, I am able to move forward. And my hope is that by sharing my story and letting people know that just because you come from a place that's harsh and traumatic, you can still overcome. And so my hope is that my life can be an example of someone who has overcome. That's in a very, I agree with you. It's a very important part of the process of healing is to tell your story uh, because it, to get it out and have people hear you and acknowledge that this is, a, is something that really happened to you, it really does help you feel like you've been acknowledged and that you're, you're on your way to a new life. Yes, it, exactly, and and it has been uh, very cathartic uh, for me uh, to be able to share my story. I was very afraid. Um, I think that's why it took me so long. I think I've been done with my book for many years now. I just couldn't let it go, and then when I did finally decide, okay, Lord, I'm just going to let it go, and, and, and you do what, what you will with it, I have... Um, been so blessed by all of the support that I have received, you know, from my friends, my colleagues, my family, and even people I don't even know, which is so amazing. And so that is my hope, is that I can share my story and help others to also overcome and move forward with their life and and become successful, whatever success means to them. Was it difficult to relive the events as you were as you were writing your story? It was because and I have written different parts of it over the years that over time I would write little bits and pieces of it and then as I edited I did take some things out because when when I wrote this book I wanted to um for youth young people to be able to read it as well. So it's a simple book. It's a quick read, but it has a lot of meaning to it. And so as I wrote and edited, it was healing for me. And it it continues to be a healing process for me, even though, you know, I have accepted my fate for many years now. Um, But looking back, Um, And because I'm a Christian now, I can see God working uh, his way through me throughout all of those years and and the people around me. Um, Just by genuine care and love that 
I didn't even deserve. I didn't think I deserved that. So, yes, it has been tough, but healing at the same time. Well, we're going to take a break right now and go to our sponsors. And we'll be back with Shenda Tong uh, for He Knows the Plan in Part 2. Howdy, I'm John Cruder, the Midnight Marauder. I guess you might say that I'm a vigilante who writes the wrongs I see along my many travels to balance the scales of justice, especially those of the corrupt and murderous members of the town council of Bandera, Texas. You can follow my many adventures in a series of Midnight Marauder books written by Roy Clinton on Amazon.com and TopWesterns.com. Or if you prefer... Listen to my adventures in audiobook form by downloading them from audible.com or iTunes. This is R. William James, the voice of the Midnight Marauder. A new online bookstore, IndieLector.store, is unlike any other. IndieLector.store offers great prices from top indie authors and supports authors at the same time by paying them more for their books. IndieLector.store has a reader's club that gives you free books and special deals. Watch the IndieLector.store continue to grow before it opens in the fall of 2019 at IndieLector.store. Have you ever thought what you would do if you had to put your life on hold to parent your parents? Charlotte Cannon has lived the journey caring for three parents with dementia, Alzheimer's, and Parkinson's. Her book, You Have to Laugh to Keep from Crying, How to Parent Your Parents, is a survival guide for adult children caring for aging seniors. Her book is available at books.txauthors.com, Amazon, or your favorite bookstore. Do you love to read great new ebooks? Visit ebg247.com. Be the first to discover the next bestseller. At EBG247, we have the web's largest selection of great new book reads, from that amazing new fiction or nonfiction to horror, romance, and fantasy. We even have today's best children's books. That's ebg247.com. New books arrive daily, and all ebooks start at just 99 cents. If you love to read, then you'll love EBG247. Com. Low prices, large selection, and an easy-to-use website. It's all only at ebg247.com. You are listening to Dear Texas Radio, a program of Dear Texas Read, and sponsored by Texas Authors Incorporated. If you would like to ask today's guest author a question, please do so on Twitter using the hashtag DearTexasRadio. However, not all questions will be answered during the show. Now sit back and enjoy listening to today's show and learn about a Texas author and their books. Welcome back. This is Grace Allison, your host, and we are talking with Shenda Tom about her book, He Knows the Plan. Now, Shenda has had some great reviews with this book. Uh, Patrick Sancher says, he Knows the Plan is a gripping story, which in a sense shines the spotlight upon anyone who has been blessed with daily necessities, yet ungratefully complains in discontent. This story shares horrific circumstances the author and her family had to endure during the period of war describing the killing fields. Welcome back, Shenda. 
Now tell us, thank you. tell our audience where they can where they can find you. What Facebook, Twitter, email. Where can people find you? Well, I am on Facebook as Shenda Tom Moore. That's my married name. I'm also on uh, Twitter, um, and then I'm also on Instagram. Spell your name. It's an unusual spelling, so people can find you. Yes, I'm Chenda, C-H-E-N-D-A, and then Thomas, T-O-M. And there is a special meaning behind your name. Uh, Tell us about the meaning of Chenda. Yes. So um, I like to think that I am, you know, my parents love child. I am the oldest of all of the children. And my parents were young when I was born. They were around 21 years old. And Chenda, that's how you pronounce that in Cambodian, uh, means peace and love, which is ironic because of my beginnings. But uh, Chenda is normally uh, used in Cambodian love songs. So that that brings me, just makes my heart happy when I think of my parents giving me such a name with such a special meaning. And there was a reason why you wrote your book also with the spiritual con- uh, con- uh, context from Jeremiah 29.11. Yes. Um, as I'm thinking about, you know, my future books, and, you know, I, I wrote this book after I became a Christian. And so my second book will be about my path toward becoming a Christian. And so when I thought about my Bible verse in my life, I think about Jeremiah 29:11, which from New King James, uh, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And so when I think about that verse and and I ponder um, back on my life the last 40-plus decades, I think, you know, God has always been there, especially when I didn't even know him. And so when I wrote this book and I was thinking about the name And I remember coming up with this name probably about five years ago as I'm driving to work. You know how things just kind of come up (laughs) in your mind? Oh, sure. When when you're driving. (laughs) Yes, and and I remember the exact morning as I'm driving to work and I'm thinking, you know, I have these conversations with the Lord on my way to work and I'm thinking, Lord, I know you know that I'm writing this book and someday it's going to get published, but I have no idea what to call it. And so it just came to me, and and I'm thinking, well, he knows the plan. He's always known the plan. And so it stuck. And I was like, that's it. That's the name of my book. And so that's that's where he knows the plan comes from. And my hope is, if it works out, I'd love to make it a trilogy. So the the second will be finding my way to him, which is the Lord. Is there, uh, are there a few pages that you can read to us and give us a, a little uh, feel for what the book is about? Yes. Um, as I mentioned um, earlier, you know, my, I was raised by my aunt, and my father is still alive. But in early uh, 1979, kind of toward the end of our captivity, 
because the population was dwindling, these leaders decided to come visit the camps and they decided to um, just pair people up and have these communal marriages. And as fate would have it, my dad was paired with my stepmother and they fell in love due to the circumstances. They survived the killing fields as well and they are still married today. And both of them um, were able to start a new life in France because um, France was a a country who supported Cambodia for for many, many years until they, you know, stepped out. And so the French government continued to support the Cambodian people during that time. And so my dad and stepmother made it to, to France. But and so we were looking for each other for many years from 1979 to 1991. And so my dad and I reunited in 1991, which is when this ends, as I'm about to leave for college. And so when I think about my father, I think about the time when we reunited when I was in the orphanage. So I'd like to read that portion to the audience uh, tonight. Okay, here yes, we go. Do. If, you're, if you're following me, I'm on page 57 of my book. It's, um, the chapter is Reunion with My Father. One of the turning points in my life occurred when my father drove his ox cart across my path one unassuming morning. In the orphanage, children of every age had jobs. That morning, along with about 10 to 12 other children, we marched into the forest to gather twigs. We were guarded by young soldiers between the ages of 11 and 13 years old. Imagine a group of young elementary students walking in a straight line, being guarded by soldiers instead of teachers. Instead of a hallway within a school, we were in the middle of a field with the forest as walls. As we were marching into the forest, To collect firewood, here comes a line of men driving ox carts heading into the forest. I look out and see a man who looks like my father. He motions the ox come to a stop as he looks at the line of children. A thought must have passed through his mind, hoping that one of the children could be his daughter. Our eyes locked. I see my father and he sees me. We must have experienced a moment of joy like nothing else. As my father looks out at the young soldiers, looks at the young soldiers, daring them to shoot us, I run out of line toward him, risking death for both of us. I run under the belly of the ox as my father reaches down, lifts me up, and sits me next to him. I barely notice the size of the animal, the barrel of the guns, or the sweat of his hand as my father leant down to grab my arm. The young soldiers were so taken back by my disobedience that it took them a minute to respond in anger. We had nothing else to lose if they had chosen to shoot us that morning. Being dead would have been better than the continued suffering. They did not shoot us because we were not worth wasting their bullets. So this is the turning point in my captivity. 
because after this point, my father was able to take me with him until 1979, and um, he was able to convince his uh, camp leader to allow me to stay. So because of this moment, I survived. I I believe that because if, if my father had not found me, I'm not sure where I would be. But but I, I just as as a mother now, as a parent, I think about what turmoil he must have gone through as a father, as a man, as a husband, who seemingly lost everything until that moment when he sees his only surviving daughter. That is an amazing story. That is really, really amazing. How did you get to America? Well, my aunt um, created, um, she completed some documents, and um, from 1979 when we made it to Thailand, at that time, um, the American Red Cross um, had a camp to support the Cambodian refugees in Thailand. And so at that time, we were given, you know, food, clothing, and so forth. And then my aunt completed the paperwork um, to come to America. And, and like you said earlier, in 1981, President Ronald Reagan opened the doors for refugees from war-torn country uh, to come to America. And I remember um, getting on an airplane. It was, um, do you remember TWA? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I rem- that was my first plane ride um, ever. And I remember uh, when I was in school, when I was in school here in America, I, I remember writing an essay about my um, just thought about how beautiful the flight attendants were. And they had different color hair, light skin. And I'm thinking to myself, America must be just a beautiful place. And so when we landed, we landed in Albuquerque, New Mexico. That was my first um, city in America. And then they took us to a little town called Belen, New Mexico, there, where they had other Cambodian refugees. And um, we stayed there for a little while. And then, you know, my aunt was sent to night school to learn English, and, of course, I was placed in school. And that's a whole other experience by itself, just going to school and not being able to communicate with teachers. Poor teachers. Well, Shanda, <laughs> we're, gonna, we're going to wrap it up. And so um, tell us again where people can find you on Facebook and Twitter. Yes, I am uh, on Facebook, Chenda Tom Moore. I am Chenda TM on uh a Twitter, and also on Instagram. My book uh, can be found on lulu.com, um, of course, Texas Authors, um, Amazon, and also Barnes & Noble. We want to thank you for being with us tonight, Shanda. You are a very brave woman, and you've brought so much to your life with uh, teaching in the school district down at Paraland, um, counseling services. You, you actually take care of 53 guidance counselors down there. So you're making an, an amazing difference on, with who you are working with. And we, wish, we really want to thank you for being with us tonight. 
Well, thank you so much for, for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. And, and Grace, thank you so much for, for being so kind and, and just working with me and allowing me this time to share my story. You are listening to Dear Texas Radio, a program of Dear Texas Read and sponsored by Texas Authors Incorporated. If you would like to ask today's guest author a question, please do so on Twitter using the hashtag DearTexasRadio. However, not all questions will be answered during the show. Now sit back and enjoy listening to today's show and learn about a Texas author and their books.